we thank God for giving us another wonderful opportunity that we may be able to hear from him as he speaks to us through his word. As we start this Sabbath session, I would like to request that we bow our heads for a word of prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, we give glory to you. We thank you for your provisions. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your tender mercies. At this point, as we want to hear you speak to us through your word, we pray that you may be with us. You may guide us, and God direct us into study of your word and bless us in this Sabbath. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, today, as we join in the service, albeit online, for the Kibera SDA, Kibera Soweto SDA, we thank God for giving us this opportunity. Circumstances have made it that we have to congregate in this manner. Nevertheless, we still give glory to God. Uh, today was meant to be a fund release Sabbath, as I was informed by the organizers. And for a fund release Sabbath, what more could I say? It's more of a stewardship Sabbath. It's a Sabbath in which we consider the work of the Lord. What can we do towards the work of the Lord? And I ask myself, what should we do towards the work of the Lord? Picking on a few texts that the Lord has given us for study today, I would want us to see what God wants for us. The chapter for study is Exodus, but the text that forms our key text for today will be the book of 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Bible says, and I will just read quickly. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God is speaking to us, and God begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, saying, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly of, or of a necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And the Bible says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye also have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. When we read this text, it has been used so many times in stewardship sermons. It has been used so many times in uh, collections and such. But I think we may not have put our emphasis on the text to understand what the text actually means. And, and today, I want us to just open this text and understand it. There are certain aspects. You see, when the child of God is called upon to give, when the child of God is called upon to serve, Actually, giving to the cause of God is service. So when the child of God is told, give, what does God really mean? And, and listen, the Bible has already made it clear. And, and I believe the, the psalmist writes this thing. And it's, it's one of those texts that we have always read and understood over and over again. But I would not fear to repeat it. And, and listen to what it says in the book of uh, Psalm chapter 24 verse 1. He says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. All these things belong to the Lord. 
In fact, the psalmist also says, The cattle upon a thousand hills are the Lord's. As in the Lord has more than enough. When God goes to count his, his cattle, he doesn't count them in cattle heads. He says cattle upon a thousand hills. He counts them in terms of hills. So when we are talking of what the Lord calls us, in fact, the Bible says that we are co-workers with the Lord. God can be able to do these things. God can be able to supply the needs. God can be able to put up for himself a sanctuary. But God says, I want you to be a co-worker with me. I want you to be part of the work that is going to be done. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and, and reading from verses uh, 6, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. That whatever you sow, he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And let me tell you, God is saying, try me in this. God is saying, just try me in this. In fact, the, the one point in time when God says, prove me, is in giving. When you read the book of Malachi, commonly read before tithes and offering. But in the book of Malachi chapter 3, God says, prove me. And what does it mean by prove me? You see, the text has always been read, but today I, I just want to give emphasis to it as we get to the object lesson. Listen to what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 and reading from verses 10. It says, bring ye all the tithes into the hot stores that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith. Say the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing that you shall not have room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall the vine cast a fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. You shall be called blessed. You shall be a delightsome land, said the Lord of hosts. And, and God says, prove me now. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. And, and let me tell you, beloved, as we live right now, we know that the devourers are many. Why am I saying so? I am saying that because even in life today, COVID is ravaging us. There are so many diseases. There are things that are devouring us. Prove me. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. I know before we give, most of the times we start asking ourselves, but, but, but what about, what about what I will eat? What about this kind of thing? What about some money for health? What about some money for this? But God says, prove me. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, every man has a purpose in his heart, so let him give. When we are giving for the cause of God, God says, let us purpose in our hearts. Sit down with yourself. Make a decision with yourself. Speak to yourself. Purpose in your heart. Say, I am purposing. I will give this to the cause of God. God says, purpose in your heart. In fact, God loves it when you purpose in your heart, not when you are compelled to give. In fact, the Bible says, don't give grudgingly or of necessity. Don't sit back and you're giving for the cause of God and deep down in your heart you feel bad about it. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. Who is a cheerful giver? Because it's a fun's release, sir, but I need to explain some of this. Thing. A cheerful giver is one who gives and can say, praise God, I have given. A cheerful giver is not one who gives and waits to hear what are they saying about what I gave. 
A cheerful giver is not going to be one who gives and then asks, but have they considered what I give? A cheerful giver gives knowing that God has seen what I have given. In fact, when we read the story of the widow with the two mites, the Bible says that the people came and they were giving in show of kind. But the cheerful lady, the, the, the lady who had two mites, the widow who had two mites, came and gave all. She gave her all. She gave cheerfully. Cheerfully does not mean you make noise about the giving. Cheerfully means in your heart you are content. You're not comparing with anyone. You are giving to the Lord. You are convinced that this is for the cause of the Lord. And that's why God says, listen, after you've given cheerfully, after you have given as you purposed in your heart, let me explain to you what I do. The Bible says in verse 8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. When we give cheerfully, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And the Bible says that you always have sufficiency in all things, that you may be sufficient in all things. You may not be rich, but what you need is not riches. You need sufficiency. You don't need riches. Even rich people die. There are levels where riches cannot help. There are levels where riches can come to you and, and, and you are stressed, yet you have riches. But when you have sufficiency that the Lord gives, when the grace of God abounds in you towards you, you have sufficiency. In other words, you are content. It says you have sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Listen to this. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he has ministered seed to the sower, both minister, bread for your food, multiplied your seed sown, <coughs> and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So God is in charge of everything. Don't worry about God. When we are called to give, let's give cheerfully. And now to the object lesson. Because we need to give cheerfully. What does it mean to give cheerfully? To go out and give to the glory of God. The object lesson I want to pick today is one story I really love. Found in the book of Exodus. You know the book of Exodus. Exodus is going out. I will go has been the theme of the church right now. I will go. And let me tell you, when we go back to the book of Exodus, I'm speaking to people who will go. I'm speaking to people who are going to go out and make a difference. I'm speaking to people who understand when God sits back and God says, I need some work done in Kibera Soweto. There are people who will say, I will go. And they will go and do a cheerful work. And so, Exodus chapter 1. A reading from verses 1, the Bible says. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob. These are the names of the children of Israel. The children of Israel had clearly spoken of those who came out of into Egypt. And who were they? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Isaac, Zebulon, Benjamin. Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. So by the time they were coming, Jacob did not only come with the 12, the, the, the 11 sons, sorry. 
Jacob came with 70 souls, 70 persons. The Bible says Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. That is Genesis summarized. In fact, the last part of Genesis is summarized in all those verses. From, from Exodus 1 verse 1 to verse 6, it just says they came, they lived, they died. But the Bible says in verses 7, verses 6 it says that Joseph died, all his brethren died, and all that generation that came and died. When they had died, the Bible now says in verses 7 of Exodus 1, the children of Israel were fruitful, increased abundantly, multiplied, waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Let me tell you, the Lord can make you prosperous in a strange land. The Lord can make you prosperous in a country that you just came to sojourn. And let me tell you, let me put it to practice. What the Bible simply means, the Lord can bring you to this land and the Lord can make you fruitful, increase abundantly and multiply and they work exceeding much. But the Bible says, now there arose a king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. In my study of the word, I asked myself, what do you mean you did not know Joseph? Do you mean, who can say you don't know Joseph? As in Joseph is this guy whom even in the classes of history in, in Israel, people were being taught about Joseph. Who is this who doesn't know Joseph? But in my study, I found in Patrick's and Prophets that the man, not that he did not know Joseph, the man tried to erase the legacy of Joseph. He didn't want it to be recognized that Joseph was existing. He wanted it to be felt that Joseph was not there. He wanted to bring a different regime that does not recognize Joseph. But let me tell you something. The Bible says, when you read in verses 9, He said unto his people, Behold, the people the of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it came to pass that when there falleth any war, they join with our enemies, fight against us, and get us out of the land. The Bible says, Therefore, they did make the children of Israel taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramesses. And it says, but they more they afflicted them, they more they multiplied and grew. The child of God is not stifled by the enemy. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. You see, when you're a child of God, you look at God and you understand that it is God who has made you to be successful, not human beings. So the more they, they afflicted them, the more they made their life difficult, the more they multiplied and grew. The Bible says, and I want to read, the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They made their life difficult. The Bible says they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they were made to serve was vigor. I don't know about you, but there are moments in life when the only thing that is presented to you is service, service, service. They make it look like the only way you can be alive is to serve harder. When you live in the country called Kenya, you understand 
They increase taxes. They make these things happen. They make these things happen. When you just thought that you've already seen everything, the price of fuel goes higher. But the child of God, the Bible says, it's God who will protect you in hard times. Let's look at what God did. The Bible says, the king of Egypt spake to Hebrew midwives. Now this, I wanted to understand, and this forms my object lesson. For it is a fans release Sabbath. The king of Egypt spake to the midwives of the Hebrews, of which name was Shifra, and the name of the other poor. The Bible says, and he said unto them, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, see them upon the stools. If it be a son, kill the son immediately. If it be a daughter, you shall let them leave. Listen to this part, because this is our lesson as we go into the fans release Sabbath. It says that when you see the children of the women of the Hebrews, and, and, and I wanted to title this message, The Women of the Hebrews. When you see the women of the Hebrews, and you see what they are doing, if you see they are going to give birth, look at them. If you see they are ready to give birth, look at them. Check. Is a child a man, a boy? Or is a child a girl? And the Bible says, if it be a son, kill the son. But, but I like it when the Bible says in verses 17, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the many children alive. They feared God. Those who fear God will preserve life. Those who fear God will do certain things. Now listen to this. The king of the Egypt called the midwives. Because the king of the Egypt noticed that the children, the many children were increasing and the midwives were under instruction to kill them. And, and here is where I, I, I get intrigued. This is where it becomes funny. The Bible says, the king of the Egypt called the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the many children alive? Why have you saved the many children alive? And when this question was asked, Listen to what the midwife said in verses 19. Now this is the power moment. This is the great action moment. He says in verses 19, the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. I like this. It says the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Now Hebrew women are different. Children of God, the Hebrew women are different. The women, and, and you know, we've always said that women represent the church. And under the sermon titled Hebrew women, I just meant to say that the church is being spoken to. And the, this church is not like the Egyptian women. There must be a distinction between the children of God and the children of the world. There must be a di distinction between how the children of God conduct themselves and how the world conduct themselves. Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. So let me tell you today. There's some young uh, ambassador in church. 
and he's doing things, he must be reminded Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. There's some women ministries group in church. And, and they want to organize their women ministries thing. But they must be reminded Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. There is some church development committee in the Hebrew church. There's some church development committee that wants to put up a structure for God. They must be reminded that Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. That is why Hebrew women are not going to collect funds for the house of the Lord the way the Egyptian women are collecting funds. There is a difference and there must be a difference. Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. One of the attacks that have come to the church lately has been that the church is being attacked left, right, and front, center, and everywhere being attacked. And everyone is saying that, you see, this church is, 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 is just interested in money. And that's why the children of God, when they are called on a funds release Sabbath, like today, when you are called to give for the service of God, listen, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. I spent time with several Bible versions. I wanted to know, what does this text say? And, and I asked myself, because it says, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. And I read, and I continue to read in the King James Version. It says, Hebrew women are not as Egyptian women, for they are lively. I like that. Remember our key text? It says, God loves a cheerful giver. Hebrew women are lively. What does it mean to be lively? I asked myself and I had to go to Bible versions. I, I checked with the New International Version. New International Version says Hebrew women are not as Egyptian women. Hebrew women are vigorous. It uses the word vigorous. And, and I said that is not enough. I asked myself, what about um the clear word version and as i read the clear word version it says in in, in exodus chapter 1 reading from verses 19 the midwife says the hebrew women are not like the egyptian women they are vigorous they give birth much easily much more easily i i, I went again and and, and checked in uh, the english standard version and it, it uses the same word they, they are vigorous I, I had to look at Kiswahili. What does the Kiswahili word put for this text? And it says, And, and I had to go and check. And I looked at the Luo version, and, and the, this one was interesting. The, the Luo version used the word Mochigingeng. In other words, it used the word, these, these people, they have more breath. Not more bread. These people are energetic. These people, they have reserve uh, oxygen. They have reserve power. As in, they have more than enough energy when it comes to giving birth. They are vigorous. They are lively. How many in the church of God will say that they are lively? Look at the Bible, what it says in the book of Exodus chapter 1, verses 19. It says that they are lively. They are, they are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. In fact, it says they are more vigorous. They give birth even before the midwives come. Oh, but you're asking, is this, 
Is this a child delivery Sabbath? Oh, not really. It's not a child delivery Sabbath, but I have understood that it seems like the children of God have reached a level. You should see it in some churches. You should see how people behave when it comes to collection of funds for the ministry. Church members are begged like the Egyptians. Church members are squeezed. You squeeze money out of them like the Egyptians. In fact, nowadays, the collection mode in church is almost the same as the collection mode in the world. Begged by all means to do the work of God. If it was some other thing, you can joke about it. But when it comes to the work of God, we don't need to be begged like the Egyptians. Hebrew women are not like the Egyptians. You see, Hebrew women, it is said that even before the midwives came, oh, they've already given birth. They deliver before the midwives come. The clear water said that they give birth more easily. These ones are easy to give. In fact, they like it when God gives us an opportunity to give like he has given us right now, to just give online. Give more easily. We don't have to play with your emotions to convince you to give. We just need you to understand that the Lord wants you to give. They give more easily. These are Hebrew women. When dealing with the Egyptians, we have to employ all tactics. When dealing with the Egyptians, in fact, in my sanctified imagination, I imagine what the Bible means that they, they are not like the Egyptian women. Oh, when you want the Egyptian woman to give birth, you, you have to put everything. Look for an air conditioner. Look for what? And, and beg them. Encourage them. Convince them you can give birth. But it says the Hebrew women are alive. They're energetic. And this is the spirit that the Lord wants. He wants his church to be done. He wants his church to be constructed. But God wants those who are going to give cheerfully. God wants those who are going to be energetic. God needs the brave and the true. He needs the strong. He needs people who will go and give birth more easily. The Bible says, therefore, listen, the Bible says in verse 20, therefore the God, God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and works mighty and it came to pass because the midwives feared god he made them houses because the midwives feared god god made them prosper in fact who are the midwives the midwives are, 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 are the deacons and the deaconesses who are standing and 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 and, and the development leader who is standing there the the, the church elder who is standing there to encourage the church members to contribute. And, and they say, no, 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 let me tell you something. This church, Kibera Soweto, they give birth more easily. They contribute easily. You just need to tell them it's time for the Amos and Amos contribute. It's time for the ambassadors. The ambassadors contribute. It's time for the children ministry and they contribute. It's time for the women and they contribute. That is the work of the midwives. Hebrew women are not as Egyptian women. That's why the Lord says, now let me speak to the Hebrew. You know, the Hebrews must understand that for the Hebrews, they give willingly. The Hebrew women are not going to give out of compulsion. The Hebrew women are going to give because this is service unto the Lord. When the Lord calls you to serve through giving, 
How do you feel? You see, it's easy when the Lord calls you to serve through singing. Singing, and you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gifted. It's easy. And people will come. Everyone wants to join the choir that is doing well. And everyone wants to be known as, that is, uh, the lead chorister. So in service, when God calls you as a deacon, when God calls you to serve through singing, through teaching the lesson, it's easy. But here is another point when God calls you to serve through giving. He says, I want you to serve. The same way you are at the forefront when it comes to singing, I want you to be at the forefront when it comes to giving. Why does God want us to give? I speak to the church of Kibera Soweto. I understand the church, a good church, a wonderful church, a jovial church, a lively church. I have been there and I've seen it. I've seen the members. But God says, look at the sanctuary I have. You see, in the book of Exodus, when you read in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, it's, it's been a text we've walked over through and through, Exodus 25, 8, and, and, and it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. I, I, I would ask you as a child of God in God's church, do you think God has a sanctuary where he can come and dwell among you? When the president of the nation says, Hey, Kibera Soweto, I have an appointment with you. I would like to come and visit you in uh, maybe three months' time. How would we make the sanctuary to be able to contain the president of the Republic of Kenya? But here is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He says, make me a sanctuary. I know we've said, and, and, and it's easy to say, I know we've said, where two or three are gathered in my name, in their midst, I am there. It is good to say. But the same God says, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in your midst. I know the Bible has said, and rightly so, that, that the, 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 the Lord of the universe, God of all, does not dwell in temples constructed with human hands. It is too restricted to confine God to a building. But he says, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in your midst. He says, I need somewhere where I can dwell in your midst. And, and, and listen, when he needs somewhere where he can dwell in our midst, in Exodus 25 verse 1, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Every man to give willingly. As the Hebrew women, they must be willing to give. Not forced to give. God's children must give willingly to the cause of God. If you are forced, or if you give grudgingly, complaining, mm, this development committee, again at our heads, again they are asking for more funds. If we give grudgingly, God says, no, no, no. The offering, when they're going to make me a sanctuary, let them give willingly. But let me tell you, why is God interested in us making him a sanctuary? Let's see something from uh, the prophet. In my study, I found this is one of the prophets referred to as one of the most successful prophets. The prophet is called Haggai. 
Haggai, even the name of Haggai itself means a festival. Festive. Haggai, one of the most successful prophets. In fact, when they are studying about Haggai, they say Haggai is numbered among one of the most successful prophets. But Haggai's success stands so broad. It stands as one of the most successful prophets. Why? Because if we are to look at immediate compliance with his message, then if that is the measure of a prophet's success, then Haggai stands. Compliance with the message. As in the message was given right now, and in one hour's time, there was compliance with the message. People responded to the message as the Lord had spoken to them. That is Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. Reading from verses 1. The Bible says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the day of the month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Listen to what God says. These people say. And, and, and I say, don't run by words in the Bible. It says, these people say. Have you noticed several times when God speaks, God says, my people, my people. But here, the people have done something to the level God says, these people. God doesn't even say, my people. He says, these people say, the time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Who are saying these words? I know somebody may ask and, and, and an interesting question. In these COVID times, who wants to construct a church? The time is not come for the Lord's house to be built. You, you need to understand, this is not the time. But listen to what the Lord says. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, And by the way, I wonder, why do we say the time for the Lord's house to be built is not yet come? We don't want to build the, time, the Lord's house in this troublous time, but we are still going to work in this troublous time. Our children are still going to school in these COVID times. Why don't we say this is not the time for people to learn? Why don't we say this is not the time for people to graduate? Universities are still graduating. So let me tell you something. The Lord's house should be constructed, even in troublous time. Who knows? It may be the city of refuge when the time of trouble comes in the future. The people say, this time, this is not the time. These people say, this is not the time for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet said. You see, the people say, this is not the time. Let's wait for the appropriate time. You know, the economy is not doing well. Let's wait for the appropriate time. But the Lord also asks this question. You know, the Hebrew women, they, 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 they are more easy to deal with. They don't argue like this. When you have an argumentative spirit, check, you may be Egyptian. But the Bible says, the Bible, the word of the Lord came unto Agai the prophet saying, Is it the time for you to dwell in your sealed houses? And the, Lord, the house of the Lord lies in waste. I beg you members of Kibera Soweto. One of these days, just take a walk to the house of the Lord in Kibera Soweto. Look at the house of the Lord in Kibera Soweto. 
Is it the time for you to dwell in houses that are good when the house of the Lord is in such a shape? Think about it. So God is asking. And listen to this. The Bible says in verses 5, Now thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Look at your ways. Because the house of the Lord lieth in waste. Consider your ways. And, and listen to what the Bible says. The Bible will say on this wise. You have sown much, but you bring in little. As in you've invested a lot in this life, but you're only getting a little. In fact, most of your money is being taken away. This is something that is taking your money. It could be health. Poor health. COVID right now is, is ravaging us. People are spending lots of money trying to treat it. You've sown much. You're earning a lot of money and it's going to healthcare. You've sown much, but you bring in little. Your children are going in very good schools. Your children, you're going to pay a lot of money for their school fees, but you bring in little. They're failing exams. You've sown much, but you bring in little. You spend a lot of money. But we don't see the results. It says you eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with the drink. You buy clothes, but there is none to keep you warm. You earn wages, earn wages that you put in a bag with holes. Now listen to that. Ask myself, why is it that money is never enough? It says you earn wages, but you put the wages in a bag, but the bag has holes. Oh, what are the holes? You earn in some money. Before you notice, there is a hole called funeral contribution. There's a hole somewhere called this contribution. There's a hole somewhere called my things were stolen. There's a hole somewhere called my vehicle was knocked. There are holes everywhere. Why do we earn wages and they get into bags with holes? He says, listen, I'm going to tell you. You've neglected the Lord. When you start with the Lord, you're going to have sufficiency in all things. But that was our key text. In fact, God says you have whole bags that have holes. So listen, if you have bags that have holes, I'm going to tell you. You are working so hard and your boss says, I'm going to give you a job cut, pay cut. Why am I giving you a pay cut? Because of COVID. Those are holes. There are people who are losing their jobs. He says, you have sown, but there are holes. In verse 7, what is the remedy? Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain. I like this. Go to the mountain. Where is the mountain? There's a higher place. Go to the mountain. Mount Calvary. Go up to the mountain and bring wood. Today, God gives you an opportunity. Go up to the mountain where the Lord is. Go to the mountain. I love mountains. Why? Because at Mount Sinai, something was given. I love mountains. Why? Mount Olives, something happened. I love mountains. Why? There's a hill called Calvary and something happened. Go up to the mountains. Bring wood. Build my house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified. God says, I will be glorified. Let me tell you, when you construct a sanctuary for the Lord, it is not for your glory. 
not so that people will say, hey, look at what that church has done. No, he says I will be glorified. Part of evangelism should be for us to invest in the sanctuary of the Lord. Let us have even a place where people can say, okay, that is the house of the Lord. Not this thing that has always happened with me, that everywhere I go to preach and I'm looking for God's true church, I must look for some small structure, some small Mabati structure, and, 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 and a near almost complete building. Then I guess that is the Seventh-day Adventist church. It should not be like that. God says, go up to the mountain. Bring wood. Let there be something. Let there be a beacon that can be said, that is the house of the Lord. The Bible says in verses 9, You looked for much, and lo, it came a little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, said the Lord, because of mine house that is in waste, you run every man unto his own house. My house is in waste. As long as the house of the Lord is in waste, he says, I am going to blow on the things you have. Therefore, the heaven over you are stayed from dew. The earth is stayed from a fruit. He says the heaven is not, there are no rains. Why? Because the house of the Lord is in waste. He says the earth is not producing fruit. Why? Because the house of the Lord is in waste. I know you're saying, preacher, you're preaching a prosperity gospel. But what else? The Lord has said that. I'm reading the word of God. He says the reason you're not seeing general success, the house of the Lord is in waste. And I read this. It says in verses 11. And I called for drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the coin and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon the ground which bringeth forth and upon the men and the cattle and upon all the labors of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnants, obeyed the voice of the Lord and the words of Agai the prophet. And as the Lord their God had sent, and the people did fear before the Lord. They obeyed. God spoke and they obeyed. They responded. How did they respond? The Bible says, Then spake a guy, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message into the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor. And he stirred the spirit of Joshua, the high priest. And stirred the spirit of the remnant. And they came in the work in, and did the work in the house of the Lord God of hosts, their God. The Lord stirred a spirit. Today, I pray that the Lord stirs a spirit in you. Today, I pray that the Lord stirs a spirit that will make us not content with seeing the house of the Lord lying in waste. Why? For God always uses the willing. God always uses the willing. When God has a mission, he raises up a man. Ask yourself. Are you that man whom God has raised up because he has a mission to construct his sanctuary? When God has a mission, he raises up a man. When I was asked to come and speak on a funds release server, it was difficult. I asked myself, but, but why would they ask me to come on a funds release server? I, I say to myself, you know, I, I, I have certain principles in terms of collection. I, I feel like people should give willingly. I feel like people should not be forced to give. I feel like people should just sit somewhere and, and, and they say in their hearts, you know what, God, I am going to give. I may not have everything right now. 
I'm going to give 5% today. I'll give another 10% next month. I'll give another 15% the other month. I'll continue giving until I finish giving what I have purposed in my heart to give. I told myself that. But I wondered why would Kibera Soweto invite me to speak on a fans release Sabbath. But I said, when God has a purpose, he raises a man. Seems like God wanted that we give and we give willingly. Not begrudgingly. Not being forced. In fact, when Gideon wanted to go to battle, he picked 32,000 men. But God said, this is too much. When you have 32,000 men, people will say they won because of their numbers. Scale it down to 300 men who are willing. I need only 300 men whom at the end of the day, it will be said that God used 300 men. Not that 300 men had money. And that's what God wants in these last days. I've seen people sit back and strategize with politicians, especially when they have fundraisers, strategize with politicians. And they say, can we get politicians so and so? He has money. Let him come and contribute. And let me tell you, when the job is done, glory goes to the politician and not to God. Let me tell you, it's high time. If a politician's heart has been stirred, or any other person has been stirred to come and contribute, let him join the list of those who are giving willingly. And let me tell you, you don't, you don't come to give in a church and then expect to get votes tomorrow. That is bribery. When you come to give into a church, you are offering service to God. And so when you are not voted tomorrow, you don't threaten the church that, oh, these church members, they, they are even lying to us as politicians. Were you giving to the church or you are giving to God? That's why I sit back and I say, give willingly, not as the Egyptian women, but as Hebrew women. Tough message for tough times. The Bible says in First Chronicles, the last object lesson I want to finish with, in First Chronicles chapter 29, this is David. This is David. And God loves a cheerful giver. What does David say? David says, when you read 1 Chronicles 29, verse 1, it says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender. The work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Listen, the sanctuary that is going to be constructed is great. I have seen the architectural design. I have seen it, and I know it is great. That work is not for man. It is for God. It is a work for God. And he said, and I like this about David. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of God. The gold for the things to be made of gold. The silver for the things to be made of silver. The brass for the things of brass. The iron for the things of iron. The wood for the things of woods. Onyx stones and stones to be set. Glistering stones of diverse colors. All manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. What have you read there? Listen, the house of the Lord must also be constructed in a given way with proper perfection. You don't do a mediocre work for the house of the Lord and then your houses are well tiled. Your houses have nice roofing. The house of the Lord is leaking from the roof. It can't be like that. And as you read, the Bible says in verses 3, 
Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of the Lord, this is David saying, I have put my affection to the house of the Lord. How many of us have set their affection to the house of the Lord? As in your heart loves the house of the Lord. He says, the reason I set these things apart is my affection is in the house of the Lord. My heart is in the house of the Lord. Every man must purpose in his heart. What desire do I have for the house of the Lord? He says, because my affection is to the house of my God. I have in my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of the Lord, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Over and above. He says, there is that which I had prepared, and there is that which I have over and above. Hey, I'm not forcing anyone, but I'm telling you, God needs a cheerful giver. And God's cheerful giver is prepared over and above. Purpose in your heart. Tell the Lord, God, as I sit here as chief, I have purposed in my heart that I want to give for the house of the Lord 3,000 shillings. And once you've said that, tell the Lord, God, I don't have even the 3,000, but I'm starting with this 300. And I want by July... I will have cleared my 3,000. Now that is purpose in your heart. And the Lord will make it. Purpose in your heart. I want to give 100,000. And sit back and say, God, not because I am rich, but because God is your rich. Open for me ways to raise this amount. Purpose in your heart. And, and as, as we read the text, the Bible says, over and above. He says, I've prepared over and above. And, and the Bible says in verse 4 of 1 Chronicles 29, even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, the best gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all. He says, I have purposed the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, for all the manner of works to be made by the hands of the artifacts. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? This is the question. Who is willing? So today, my message is a challenge message on a stewardship ground. Who then is willing? Who in their heart is willing to do this? Papa's in your heart. Who then is willing to give? The Bible says, and... Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes and the captains of the thousands and hundreds and the rulers of the king's work offered willingly, willingly. The thing is, let's offer willingly. And they gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and, of, of, of gold and 10,000 drums and silver 10,000 talents and of brass 18,000 talents and 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. And the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly, lively, cheerful giver. They rejoiced, listen, at the end of the contribution, at the end of the funds release, we must sing praises to the Lord. We must rejoice that we gave to the Lord. We can sit back and feel bad that we gave. Says the people rejoice because they had offered willingly. Because with a perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced with great joy. And wherefore, 
David blessed the Lord with all the congregation. David says, blessed be the Lord God of our fathers. And he, he rejoiced in the Lord. Why? Because they gave willingly. And when you read in verses 17, which I close with, he says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. Now I have seen the joy of thy people, which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and of Israel and our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of thy people and prepare their hearts unto thee. Listen to that. David rejoiced and says, God, I did this. Try me. You who tries the heart, you saw I gave in the uprightness of my heart. I challenge you, brother and sister, let's give you the uprightness of our hearts. Let's faithfully give unto the Lord. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. There is a song. I think we all know it and we all love it. The songwriter says these words, and I just want to get it and finish with him. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. That's it. All to him I freely give. Let's give cheerfully unto the Lord. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. May God bless us that we may reflect as we are called upon God's service, that we may have the spirit of the Hebrew women who are not as Egyptians. They are lively. They are vigorous. They are energetic. They have more energy. They give willingly. In everything that we are called, let's know this is service unto the Lord and not to humans. May God bless you. Let's finish with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for loving us. You've called upon us to give cheerfully. Let us give cheerfully. Bless us to do this. Guide us to do it faithfully. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that provide that which is needed for the construction of your sanctuary. And not only in giving for your sanctuary, but in all giving. When we are called upon, let us do it as you would. Bless us now and always is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. The Lord keep you all safe.